It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Kyle Krabs here, host of Locked On NFL Scouting. Join Joe Marino and me every day as we provide position-by-position analysis of the upcoming NFL Draft. Check out the Locked On NFL Scouting podcast with the Draft Dudes on YouTube or wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. It's time for Takes on Takes. You know the drill. You give us the takes. We give you takes on your takes today on the Locked On NFL Scouting podcast. You are Locked On NFL Scouting with the Draft Dudes, your daily podcast for NFL and college football scouting. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What's better than this? It's guys being dudes here on the Locked On NFL Scouting Podcast. We're the Draft Dudes. I'm Joe Marino from Locked On Bills. He's Kyle Krabs from Locked On Dolphins. And we are your NFL experts here with you daily to talk team building across the league on the Locked On NFL Scouting Podcast with the Draft Dudes, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. We'd like to thank you for making Locked On NFL Scouting your first listen every day and a big welcome and shout out to our everydayers. You know who you are. Those of you who never miss a single episode, we appreciate y'all being here very, very much. Today's episode is brought to you by LinkedIn. LinkedIn Jobs helps you find the qualified candidates that you want to talk to faster. Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash NFL. That's linkedin.com slash NFL to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. All right, Joe. Uh, takes on takes. The people, I assume, brought, brought some heavy-hitting content for us to, to go over here on today's show. Happy Friday to you. Thank Let's you. Get Happy Friday. Yes, a great lineup of takes. We're going to start with some... I don't know, controversial quarterback stuff. The first one here comes from Nick, and Nick says the Jaguars should not pay Trevor Lawrence this offseason and should consider pivot options if next year doesn't go well. I don't think they have enough to pay Trevor Lawrence right now. I don't think the, the, the rookie season was understandably bad. Urban Meyer. Mm-hmm. Right. And then the first half of the Doug Peterson year one experience wasn't great. And then they flipped the switch and they made the run and they made it to the postseason and they won a playoff game with a big comeback win. And it's all sunshine and rainbows. Now, Trevor, this year, I certainly don't think has taken the next step beyond that. And he's been banged up about the last month or so. So, yeah, what, what's the rush? Exercise the fifth-year option for Trevor Lawrence and wait and see what happens next year. I don't think there's any shame in in not getting an extension after year three if you don't have the information you feel you need, the peace of mind, to know it's trending exactly the way that you want. 100%. And and not giving him an extension this offseason doesn't mean that he's not your guy. It's just that you want to collect more information. And honestly, Trevor Lawrence should want to go out there and play better football to maximize. Yeah. Maximize and say, yeah, give me that 50 something million dollars a season, because I don't think he's put together that resume. We were certainly very eager last year with the stretch run, what he did in the playoff game to say he is here. Number one pick the big time prospect that this is going to be one of the faces of the league. And you need to sustain that for longer than Trevor Lawrence has to really be in that conversation. And so, yeah, pick up that fifth-year option, and we'll see. But I don't – yeah, there's definitely not enough right now to give him that market contract 
And I, I think it was kind of refreshing last year to see teams show some patience with quarterbacks. Mm-hmm. And um, that should continue with Trevor Lawrence and a lot of these 2021 uh, quarterbacks. And we're going to get to those literally with this next one here, which comes from Jeff. Jeff says, if the Bears can miraculously get a first rounder for Justin Fields, they will trade him and draft the quarterback. But if a second is the top offer, they will keep him and have the top pick to build around him. All right, so I don't know what they will do. But if it were me, what would I do? The teams that are going to be offering you picks are probably not, the vast majority of them are, are probably not good teams, right? Who comes to mind? A team like Washington, Denver maybe. These are the Atlanta, right? When you think of teams that would potentially be interested in this type of trade, that's well, kind and, of the, the names. And even go back to like, the teams picking in the range of the draft where we saw it last year, where the quarterbacks went in the top four, and then the other quarterback needy teams passed until at least the second time through. So teams picking six through 13, six through 15, hypothetically. So last year, those teams were uh, the Raiders passed on drafting a quarterback, the Seahawks passed on drafting a quarterback. The Falcons uh, passed on drafting a quarterback. The Titans, the first time through, passed on drafting a quarterback. Uh, If those are the teams that are in the conversation in that range of the draft, isn't the two still plenty valuable? I think so. But I I think process-wise, this is just not how I see it. I I agree with that. If I get a one from Fields, well, then we move on. The question is, is the quarterbacks that are available in this draft going to get a better future than Justin Fields? That's a question you have to ask. And if the answer to that is yes, then you trade Justin Fields for the most that you can get for him. Can I say this now that we're off the Bears show yesterday? Yeah. I think the answer is yes. I think the quarterbacks in this year's draft give you a better long-term forecast in future. Be as the general manager, as the head coach, resetting the team with all of the assets that you have. We just got done giving all these compliments of the the plethora of salary cap space that they have and how it gives that like the world is your oyster. You can do whatever you want. You stay with Justin Fields, that expeditiously goes away. Because now you're talking about a second quarterback contract versus something that's potentially four or five years down the line from now. And you'll you will have had two years yeah. of an influx in draft picks, high volume draft picks to build up around a player that you got courtesy of somebody else being so bad that you got the number one overall pick. I feel like Bears fans want fields. I feel like there's a lot of momentum from the players to keep fields. One thing we have to keep in mind, Justin Fields was not brought to the Chicago Bears by Ryan Poles and Matt Eberflus. Right. And they've got one heck of an opportunity to bring their guy in in a make-or-break season. Let's face it, make-or-break season next year for, for this regime. And that, but that's what makes it scary because then you're going to be right back in the same spot because Matt Nagy and the previous Tr- regime right, right, brought in Justin Fields yeah, yeah, yeah. in a make-or-break season, yeah, and it didn't make, so then it broke. <laughs> and then you hire a new coach, and two years later you say, well, we didn't draft a quarterback. So like, if you're going to do that, you as the ownership of this team have to have conviction and be like, you got to let them see it through a few years. 
no matter what the record is next year. You got to let it. Yeah. So that's why I think offensive coordinator change makes a lot of sense for them. But I do think resetting that clock and that being the sales pitch, as long as everybody's on the same team. Yeah. Everybody has the same understanding. Like what happened in Detroit. You remember how ownership had to come out in Detroit midway through the season last year when it was bad. and give like the vote of confidence for Brad Holmes and Dad Campbell. Yeah. And then they got hot and they finished nine and eight. And then this year happened and they won the division. Like you got to give it a little time if you're going to reset your clock. I like that a lot. If you keep fields next year's make or break, if you get a new quarterback, then this needs to be a two year opportunity to, to make that work, especially with the resources that they've already applied to this roster and what's going to happen this offseason. Right. Right. JPEG says the Broncos are going to trade Jerry Judy to the Patriots for Mac Jones and a fifth use their first on a wide receiver. And Mac will have a season better than his rookie year lead the Broncos to a 10 and seven record and a playoff appearance in 2024. Mac to Denver's kind of fun. Not a, not a dot that I had connected. There's no connections there that make it make sense, but just if you're going to roll with the Jarrett Stidham type, Mac's better than Jarrett Stidham. I would think so. (laughs) So, Mac's going somewhere, right? Like, can we just, so this, this quarterback 2021 quarterback class, Lawrence, we're not sure. Wilson stinks. Fee, uh, Lance already uh third string quarterback. And then Fields maybe traded, maybe he's the guy, and then Mac Jones not going to be on the Patriots. Mac Jones owed 2.78 million dollars. Yeah, somebody yeah. should try that. Some, somebody's going to bring that into be a a roll the dice. And if you move on from Russ, I guess that's what makes that hard. Is if that's your plan, you're going to post June 1st, Russell Wilson. So you're still going to have the $50 million cap hit in 2025, which would then align with Max fifth year. So it's not like they would trade for Mac Jones and exercise the fifth year option because now you're talking, it's like $80 million in quarterback cap space right, right. with the dead cap for Russ in 2025. So bring him in on the one year deal in 2024 and then give him an extension if it goes well could be the pathway that they would then hypothetically take. I'll say this as well, though. Mac Jones doesn't deserve to walk into any building and be uh, a team's for sure starting quarterback. That needs to fully be earned. All right, we have some really fun uh, team-building type questions coming up here, including do running backs matter? Maybe they do. We're going to find out. Stick with us. But, folks, when you're hiring for your small business, you want to be certain that you have as many top-tier candidates as possible to interview. That's why you have to check out LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn Jobs has the tools to help you find the right professionals for your team faster and for free. LinkedIn isn't just another job board. LinkedIn has a vast network of more than a billion professionals, which makes it the best place to hire. And hiring is easy when you have that many quality candidates. So easy, in fact, that 86% of small businesses get a qualified candidate within 24 hours. LinkedIn knows that small businesses are wearing so many hats right now and might not have the time or resources to hire. Well, thankfully, with LinkedIn, the process is intuitive, quick, and easy. And they even just launched a feature that helps you write job descriptions, making the process that much easier and that much quicker. So post your job for free at LinkedIn.com slash LockedOnNFL. That's LinkedIn.com slash LockedOnNFL to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. 
Is your team eliminated from the playoffs and in need of reinforcements? Maybe it's time for a rebuild, or maybe they're just a player or two away from taking home the Lombardi Trophy. Either way, join Keith Sanchez and Damian Parson for Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. They'll tell you which college football stars your team will be taking in the 2024 NFL Draft. Check out Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. All right, here we go. From Greg here. Greg. Greg says the running back position is on the worst situation it has ever been because teams don't want to pay them. However, if you look across the league, teams with the best offenses – have a very dependable running game. This is going to cause extreme overdrafting of the position next year, even though there aren't any truly elite backs coming out. One thing that I'm confident in is the league's ability to not overdraft running backs. That'll pass. Okay. Yeah. Well, can, can I would like to really kind of address the first part of this with the top offenses and having a dependable rushing game, because I think that that's absolutely true. So that's kind of the points that I want to make here. That's kind of step one. And then I want to build into a second point here. You look at there's, there's one, two, three, four, five. There are six, seven teams that are over 25 points per game this season. Every single one of them is over 2000 yards rushing with the exception of the Dallas Cowboys. All right. So this is, Leaders in points per game. Points per game. Can you read them off? Because I think there's different number one constructions of yes, different... and that's that's the point that I want to get to. Because yep. I don't think there's a relationship between the investment in the running back position and a quality running game. We'll start with the number one scoring offense in the league, the Miami Dolphins. Also, the number one rushing team in the NFL, if I'm not mistaken, or number one in, or number two in yards per carry. What's the makeup of the running back room? Raheem Mostert, who anybody could have signed last year, right? Like just chilling out there for anyone to sign. And a, a third round pick in, in A-Chan. The Ravens. 2,500 rushing yards this season. What's their, what's, it's Gus Edwards and Lamar Jackson? Right. They tried Justice to have, Hill? J.K. Dobbins tried to force their hand and they politely said, no, thank you. We will not be paying you a new contract. And then obviously he got hurt, but then like Gus Edwards is the guy who steps into that spot. Then we have Dallas at number three in terms of scoring offense. This is the worst rushing team in the top 10. And what's funny about this one? It's Tony Pollard on the, the franchise cr- on the franchise. Tag. <laughs> All right, here we go. San Francisco, 29.4 points per game. Here it is. The, the a top 10 running back one that was traded oh. for and, and all the money, right? Yep. Congrats. It's working for you. Good thing your seventh round Mr. Irrelevant quarterback is also working out for you. The Detroit Lions at 27 points per game. David Montgomery, Jameer Gibbs. Some investment there. Some investment sure. there. Free agent dollars and a first round pick. The Buffalo Bills, 27 points per game. We have James Cook, a late second round pick. And Ty Johnson, Latavius Murray, and Josh Allen kind of wasn't Ty Johnson like like he was signed really, in July. I was gonna say really off the radar addition in the first place was like RB four to start the season or something like that. Yeah, yeah, he was because Damian what Harris about, was. What about, don't forget about Lombardi Lenny too. 
Yeah, let's he had, he had five carries a couple weeks ago in a game. We'll we'll see if he's elevated off the practice squad. <laughs> Philadelphia Eagles twenty six points per game. It hurts. And DeAndre Swift, who they traded for, what, I mean, what did they give up? Nothing for him. And then the Rams, Kyle Krabs, the Rams, Kyron Williams, baby. Like, what are we, what are we talking about here? Scheme. I see good scheme. I see, see good offensive lines in a lot of these places as well. Yep. Scheme, Dolphins, uh, 49ers, Rams, good offensive lines, Ravens, Cowboys, Lions, Eagles, Bills, like, it's it's not just getting a running back. It's you know what I mean. Like if that were the, the, the here's the here's the real kicker. Like look at the Atlanta Falcons, nineteen points per game, better in offensive line. Bijan Robinson, top ten pick at running back. We still got to give all our carries to our fifth round guy from last year. Running game matters. Yes. Right? But the process of getting the running back is there's a lot of ways to do it. A lot of ways to do it. All right. The next one here comes from Matt. Matt has an interesting one here. And I'm I'm curious to see if you have some convictions on this because I, I don't know if I do, but maybe by the end of this conversation, I will. Okay. Matt says teams with vacancies at both head coach and general manager should hire the head coach before they hire the GM. Head coaches are more integral to the success of teams on Sundays and it's more important for the GM to fall in line with the head coach's vision and focus on adding talent that fits the head coach's scheme and culture. You know, I I used to personally view this very hardline stance of there is a vertical flow chart with your football operations and the owner has the GM who answers the 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 GM answers to the owner and then the coach is underneath the GM and I feel like the modern iterations of the league, that's not quite how it's not that cut and dry. It's not that black and white. So whether you hire one before the other, if you want to make the argument that the head coach is the applic applicator of the vision of the football team. So they do need to be in place. And then you need to have a decision maker that's in line that aligns with that. I can get behind that. I don't necessarily think there's a right or a wrong order as long as there is a collaboration. And that's why when teams are making these resets, I think it's important for them to make the decisions simultaneously so that there's not different levels of pressure to win for a coach and a GM where then there's friction. Because my team did that for years. We have a GM or a coach and we're going to fire the coach and the GM's going to be there longer, and then they're going to continue to kind of be stuck, and then the coach is going to say the same thing that we talk about with regimes and quarterbacks that are brought in. Well, that's not my guy. I need mm-hmm. my guy in that spot. So then we fire the other one, and then the GM comes in, and you lose for two more years, and you say, well, I need my coach to apply to the players that I'm picking. And it just like that's such a toxic perpetual cycle. And as long as you avoid that, I don't think it matters which one comes first as long as there's – uh, unity on that front. Alignment, right? They have to be aligned. And so whatever that means, that's what's most critical. And I think I, I'm just kind of doing the inventory in my head, and I'm feeling like a lot of these situations that are good in the NFL, the head coach was fired, was hired before the GM, but that's not always the case, right? And there's uh, There's certainly different ways to do it. 
If there was a do these three things and you'll be successful, well, you wouldn't have teams that stink every year, right? Like, right. But alignment, I think we that's where we can find common ground is that you have to be aligned. And when that stops happening, you can kind of feel it, right? You can kind of feel yeah. it and the rails fall off and you're not going to be a very good football team. Joe, All let, right. me, let me let me Please. sneak one in. I got to sure. take. Yeah. Uh, the, and I alluded to this the other day off air, but I did want to sneak something in from a content perspective. Uh, the AFC East was our best represented bold bets for the 2023 season between the two of us and the accuracy of those bets manifesting. Well, the only thing that I can remember is that I was wrong about Stefan Diggs breaking the Bills' single-season touchdown. And I, I took you up on that one. So I mean, He was on pace. Little did I know he would catch one over the last nine games, right? He had like eight going <laughs> uh, into the – He very well, easily could catch four on Sunday night. Well, so like, you it know, might still happen, but I don't, the I don't even 11, know if that would be a good thing. And he's at eight, right? It ain't going to happen. No, he needs 12. Okay. He, I think he, he had eight right. after like week nine. It's like, what happened here? Um, the other one that you missed was the Jets start 0-2. You could think. Oh, come on. (laughs) (laughs) I was so close on that. Um, I can thank injuries for both of mine that I missed. I had 1,500 yards incoming for Garrett Wilson. He is up over 1,000 yards, which is almost more impressive than 1,500 yards with Aaron Rodgers. Sure. Sure. And I had Jalen Phillips hitting 15 sacks. He played half the season and had seven and a half. So he was on pace, but he didn't get it. Uh, I did hit. The Bills have their first 1,000-yard rusher since 2017. Well done. Speaking of top rushing offenses and James yeah. Cook. Uh, you hit Christian Wilkins six plus sacks. He's at eight. Too low. I team. wanted to say eight as well. And I just, I was coward there. And we both look to be in place for the Patriots, but it's to be determined depending on the outcome of Sunday's game. We picked them to be last, didn't we? You did. You didn't. I said by bill. Oh, so we'll see. We might, but, we might both be wrong in that. We we aged fairly gracefully. It's fun to see all of the bets and then the ones because we went through and we like we have to take each other up on bets for like the F official draft dudes bets of the year. And I know I have access to the sheet and you don't, so it's kind of fun because you're the takes master for takes on takes for me well, to be able to look at it and see where things stand going into your your happiness right now tells me a lot about uh you, where I, you I think you're more, doing well. You have more total bets correct than uh, bold bets than I do, but not the bets that we. Mm. I I have not tallied up which of the bets that we took mm. against each other. I don't know what that score is right now. All right. Well, we'll have I to. Tell you, you have double digit bold predictions that were correct, which is fitting. Because mine were. I, I gave you hard. Mine time were kind of soft. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I'll admit that. All right, folks, stick with us. We got more to get to here today, but this show is sponsored by BetterHelp. Around New Year's, we get obsessed with how to change ourselves instead of just expanding on what we're already doing right. Therapy helps you find your strengths so you can ditch the extreme resolutions and make changes that really stick. It's helpful for learning positive coping skills and how to set boundaries. It empowers you to be the best version of yourself. It isn't just for those who've experienced major trauma. If you've been thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. All you do is fill out a brief questionnaire. That'll get you matched with a licensed therapist. And you can switch therapists at any time for no additional charge. Celebrate the progress you've already made. Visit BetterHelp.com slash LockedOn today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash LockedOn. 
Is your team eliminated from the playoffs and in need of reinforcements? Maybe it's time for a rebuild, or maybe they're just a player or two away from taking home the Lombardi Trophy. Either way, join Keith Sanchez and Damian Parson for Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. They'll tell you which college football stars your team will be taking in the 2024 NFL Draft. Check out Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Got a few minutes left, Joe. Yep. We'll take all the takes we can get. Drew with a Dan Campbell-inspired take, and he says, unless it's wild card slash division slash number one number one seed clinching game or playoff berth elimination game going for two to win the game in the closing seconds should be the norm in the regular season over kicking the extra point to send it into halftime with two point tries having a success rate of 48.2 percent at worst you are giving up 1.8 percent chance to win in exchange for not playing an additional quarter where your players and stars could get hurt no don't ask me the logic behind it. You don't feel it? No. This is the most compelling thing to me about going for two is that you can end the game right there. Like get get a get three yards on a play, and then you don't have to live with the whatever, stopping the other team. Mm-hmm. Uh the, the 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 variability of of overtime and what can happen there. Like you could just this could be it. Now you could lose it as well, but like there is something that like you can just get three yards, or you can try to do all these other things. Like I feel like maybe there's a, a compelling case to be made. I'm, for sure, that I'm sure there is. Case, case in point, teams have done this. And teams right. have done it in the regular season. Usually it's not two teams fighting for playoff seeding that do it. Right. But nevertheless, there's been plenty of occasions where that happens. So I'm sure there's a legitimate argument for it, but I don't know. I I would covet the chance to reset. Oh, all right. If, all if, right. If there's a minute and a half left, there's no value in it, right? It's like last play of the game. You got to go yeah. to. All right. Twelve seconds left in the game. Sunday night football. Bills. Dolphins. The Dolphins score a touchdown uh, to make the score twenty-seven uh, to twenty-six. The Bills have the lead. You're going to kick that extra point, or you're going to end that game right there. Twelve seconds. 12 seconds left. I know Sean McDermott's ass ain't going to go try to go down the field. Right. He's not going to play. We're going to go overtime, right? Or you could, or you can, you can get three yards and win the game. What do you want Miami to do? With the state of Miami's interior offensive line, the fact that they're at home and the fact that they would have scored a touchdown, which would have given them momentum going into that. That's the difference. Do you subscribe to the idea of momentum or not? Yes. And I've been sitting here this entire time. We've had this conversation thinking about some NFL game that I just watched this weekend. And I don't remember which one it was, but there was a chance that the coach had to do this, and they didn't. I'm like, you are moving the ball. They don't have a prayer against you. And they wound up going to, I think, overtime and winning the game. But I thought that was a classic example of they're not going to stop you. Again, I cannot remember for a million dollars what game I was watching. But, like, yeah, I believe in the momentum piece of it. And these are hard discussions in a vacuum. But like so, that's probably the scenario with a lot of like you did just score a touchdown. You are going to have the momentum in those opportunities, right? But I guess from Detroit's perspective, you're on the road, so the argument is you're the 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 volatility of the stadium probably behooves you to try to end the game earlier. 
you have one opportunity to end the game instead of playing, continuing to play in a road environment where it was hard for you to move the ball all game. And then you did put together a touchdown drive in the final three minutes. And you got into that. So it's like, what's the flow of the game? Are you freely moving the ball? Did you finally get a drive together at the very end and you held them to some field goals and you feel you could steal it now? I just, I don't, I don't feel like that's ever a decision that can just be looking at the sheet and it tells me my win percentage is this with this and that with that. And I'm going to do this because it says so. I remember the game. It was, it was Michigan and Alabama. Oh yeah. I'm like, bro, like Alabama doesn't have a prayer against you right now. Go for two and end this right now. And then Harbaugh didn't, especially because their kicker was weird, right? Didn't they have something going on with their kicker? It's like, what are you doing? So that was, I remember. Okay, uh, Tim says Sam Howell has been dealt a tough hand so far in the NFL and would be the first quarterback taken if the 2022 draft was redrafted. Howell was thrown into the fire to lead a mess of an organization, but still had flashes of good play this year. All right, so what was it? What was it? No, there's a lot of truth here. I know Kyle's walked off the screen here. I, I think there's some truth to this. I think you can really debate whether, I mean, Howell has had a tough hand. Uh, I think his offensive line stinks. He's had two different coordinators. He was a raw quarterback coming out of North Carolina. Like the only thing that he had good was he's not going to go first in the redraft. He was a raw quarterback coming out of North Carolina. First quarterback taken. So let's let where we, we know what we know today. Yep. Who were the, who were the, was it Kenny Pickett, Malik Willis, Desmond Ritter, Brock Purdy's in this draft. That's going to be a problem. Don't forget Matt Corral. Oh, I have forgotten Matt Corral. Carolina Panthers franchise quarterback. The NFL has forgotten about Matt Corral because he stinks. And that was obvious. Was Brock Purdy in this draft? Because if that's the case, then... He was the the last pick in this draft, yes. Well... So Brock Purdy's going to be the first quarterback drafted in a recent... 100%. But Howell's probably... I mean, you're... Are you picking Howell or Kenny Pickett, Kyle? All right, so you got Pickett. Kenny Pickett's got a great record as a starting quarterback. Bailey Zappi, Sam Howell. Don't forget legendary Skylar Thompson. So the three quarterbacks so far that have been the best have been Brock Purdy, Sam Howell, and Bailey Zappi. Yes. Lord. Now, we would like the record to state. I don't think anybody on our team at that time had a first-round grade on any of these quarterbacks. Damn right we didn't. <laughs> Damn right we didn't. And I did have a two on Sam Howell, so there's that. I think I had like a two-three on Kenny and Malik. And how I had a three on. I think it was my QB three going into that class. I didn't like so Brock Purdy. He got for sure, though. I didn't like, I didn't like Brock Purdy. I'll say it. Uh, here's an interesting one. Dolphins craze. Due to the Dolphins' edge rushers' injuries, they may need to take an edge rusher in the top 100 of the draft. Yes. You got Jalen Phillips is coming off an Achilles tear in the end of November, and Bradley Chubb's coming off an uh, ACL tear on New Year's Eve. Those guys are under contract. You have Andrew Van Ginkle as an expiring contract. He's going to get money, man. He's going to get money. What do you think his deal is? Like north of 15 per? Oh, no, I don't think it's that high. I think it's probably 10 to 12. And if you want to make that a draft. Somebody should pay him that, dude. We we could start the draft dude's bets now if you'd like. But I'd say 10 to 12 is the annual average for eight. I'll take higher than 12. Higher than 12? Yeah, I'll take it. There it is. Okay, AVG, baby. My Van Ginkle. Let's go. <laughs> hey, don't be adding to that. To that, to Chill out this weekend, though. You know, just calm down. Yeah, get, get to see those golden locks. Chill out Ooh. over there running down Josh Allen. Um, 
Bucks. I like ABG. I've been talking about him for like three years, I feel like. They're going to move on from Emmanuel Agba, who's due $17 million next year on the last year of his old deal. So you're, you're looking at like the two guys coming off injuries and then Cameron Good are your under contract edge rushers. I, I do think that I get the good news is, and you and I talked about this off the year too, the post June 1st veteran pass rush market is pretty robust. Probably, so I yeah. think you, you can let some of this rehab process play out. I do think they draft a pass rusher fairly early. Um, but then like you, if you need a couple bridge guys, you can sign a few bridge guys for probably a reasonable amount of money next wow. summer. There were some success success stories there with those late signings and yeah. Clowney and Leonard Floyd and I'm sure there's another one who escapes me. But so there you go. And they'll and they'll probably have money that clears up after June 1st because I would expect they move on from Xavier Howard this offseason. I'm good. I'm good. Kyle Krabs, Joe Marino. Locked on NFL Scouting, first our shows on YouTube or wherever you listen to your favorite podcast. We appreciate you guys for riding with us this week. Enjoy week 18 in all of its glory. We will be back on Monday to break down everything that happens and get your table set for the 2023-2024 NFL playoffs. Hey, Prime members. You can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today. Is your team eliminated from the playoffs and in need of reinforcements? Maybe it's time for a rebuild, or maybe they're just a player or two away from taking home the Lombardi Trophy. Either way, join Keith Sanchez and Damian Parson for Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. They'll tell you which college football stars your team will be taking in the 2024 NFL Draft. Check out Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.